Hello and welcome to Nash and Pine Sports Chat, the very first episode of our brand new Wilson Times Sports Podcast. I am Wilson Times Sports Reporter Andrew Schnitker. I'm going to be hosting these every week alongside sports editor Paul Durham. Paul, we've been talking about doing this for a while now. We're finally making it happen. I know. We're finally making it happen. History is being made today on the corner of Nash and Pine in downtown Wilson. That's why we call it Nash and Pine. That's right. Keeping it simple. And each week you're going to hear Paul and I discuss, um, you know, anything really that's going on with the local sports scene right now in the fall. It's going to be heavy on the high school football. We're going to have some Barton football, other local and high school sports as well. We might talk a little bit of ACC football and ECU because I know you guys all in this area are interested in that. But uh, we'll have we'll probably have some guests as we go along. But I'm I'm looking forward to doing this. Yeah, we're gonna make it fun and interesting, or at least try to, or die trying, as they say, right? Yeah, that's so, right. And, and maybe we'll get in arguments sometimes, or maybe we'll uh, you know we'll have some other guests on. But who knows? We're, we're kind of playing it by ear. But whatever we're going to be talking about is going to be what's going on in sports. In Wilson and the surrounding areas, we can promise you that. Yeah, that is the one thing we can guarantee. We're going. We're, this is a little bit of an unknown for both of us, but we are going to talk about Wilson sports. And I'll just start by getting kind of right into it with this high school football season. Uh, you know, looking most of the teams in the area have played three, four, or five games at this point. We saw the start of conference play for most of the conferences last week. I'll start with Fike because they came away with a win, I believe a 35-14 to 14 win over West Johnston at home on Friday. This is a Fike team that came into this season with some pretty high expectations. Pretty much everybody back from last year with the obvious glaring exception of quarterback Damari Daniels. But they had high hopes for Siante Jones and his ability to make plays both with his legs and his arm. And he's done well. You know, Fike, they started with that win over Bettingfield, hit a bit of a rough patch with the losses to Northern and Southern Nash, but they started conference play on a high note. And I think this is a Fike team that expects to be right there competing for the top of the conference this year. Well, certainly I was over there for a while, first half on Friday night, taking some photos. And certainly Fike looked like the team that expects to contend in the Quad County Conference from what I saw. The Jones boys, Datavius Jones, Deontay Jones, Janiel Jones, they all were making that Fike offense hum. And um, when Fike can run the ball in their spread, they are going to be good. And so right now, they've got some people who can run. they got some people who can block. And that is what they're hoping to sustain them. But I can tell you, this Quad County Conference, it's not going to lay down for the Wilson schools this year the way it kind of did last year, I don't think. No, Smithfield-Selma is a team that I think is looking pretty good. They're 4-0. Uh, they won their conference opener last year, so I think that's going to be a challenge. C.B. Acock starts off 4-0, 1-0 in conference. A pretty uh, historic night for them on Friday, beating Hunt 10-7. First win over Hunt since, I believe, 2009 for the Golden Falcons. Yeah, long time. 14-3 now all time against Hunt, so it's we'll a be, rare, rare win. Well, it'll be 3-14, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, and it's it's kind of an interesting picture for Hunt here because this is a Hunt team that had a very good season last year, won nine games, got to the second round of the 3A playoffs, lost a heartbreaker to Jacksonville in the second round. But part of that was that was a very experienced Hunt team 
They lost 22 seniors from last year, a lot of key contributors. So I, I think this is a little bit of a rebuilding year for Hunt. You know, they're two and two right now. They open with that loss to Rose, last year's 3A runner-up. They beat Beddingfield. They beat Southwest Edgecombe. But look, looking at them, you know, I think that Hunt defense is still pretty impressive. They did pretty well shutting CBA cock down and really keeping the offense, which struggled to get anything going, had some turnovers in the game. The one, the one piece of Hunt's offense that I think has been consistent is that running back spot where they've had Jaden Terrell take over from CJ Joyner and he's played pretty well, but I think still kind of a lot of questions about who's going to step up and make some plays for that offense going forward for Hunt. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. I think Hunt this year is just still trying to find its way. Um, they lost a boatload of talent into graduation, obviously, a lot of kids back. But they are having to figure out who's going to do certain things this year that they didn't have to worry about last year. Um, but I wouldn't count Hunt out. They're definitely still in this conference, if only because this conference is still pretty uh, equal top to bottom. I mean, Smithfield Thelma started out good. Acox certainly cleared a major hurdle Friday night, but there's a long ways to go. And I don't think any team can afford to take off a week. There's no there's no cellar dweller that's just going to lose to everybody. It, it might end up being that way, but I don't think you can go into it. So it's going to be an interesting run in the quad county the rest of the way, I would say. Yeah, you don't really have that, you know, big, big time, deep, well, fight's pretty deep in experience, but you don't really have that team that's kind of clear head and shoulders above everybody else like Hunt was last year exactly. as of right now. Now, looking, going along the local high school football t- scene, Bettingfield. Bettingfield is a, is a program that's trying to build. They had kind of a rough year last year, first year for head coach Ben Ellis. They won technically two games, but really one of them on the field because one came against Hunt due to a uh, forfeit and a paperwork era error. They lost their first two games of this year against Hunt and Fike. They showed, you know, some strides, some improvement. They lost a tough game to Green Central. And then they've gone on the they've they've been on the road the whole time, but these last couple of weeks they've gone on the road and they've come up with wins, big wins. That you had the wild fourth quarter against Aiden Grifton where Bettingfield stepped up and made some really big plays. You had last week's game against a pretty good Croatan team. Bettingfield was down 14-0 after the first quarter and then outscored Croatan 26-0 the rest of the way to come up with a 26-14 win. Got its special teams touchdown for the second week in a row, forced four turnovers, got some big plays on offense. Uh, the kind of the straw that stirs the drink, if you will, for that Bettingfield offense so far has been the backfield duo of running back Malik Woodard and fullback Desmond Wooten, who have been doing really well. And in talking with Ben Ellis after the game, he said that he thought that that was far and away the best game Bettingfield's played this year in terms of complimentary football. And also that the, I mean, these are big wins for this Bruins program. Second year head coach, trying to build something, trying to get these tangible results of the improvement that they've shown. And they finally, you know, have those results to point to for all the hard work that they've put in. Yeah, I wouldn't say last year was kind of tough year. Last year was probably the absolute worst year in Bettyfield sports history. Um, and certainly in football, like you said, I mean, it was terrible. They barely had enough kids. They didn't have a JV team. You know, pandemic hit Bettingfield hard like it has a lot of smaller schools. And um, just to be able to get a team on the field last year, I think, was a major accomplishment. What they've been able to do this year is kind of showing me that the lights are starting to go off over there. 
in, in the heads of those kids. They're starting to buy in. They're starting to play, as Coach Ellis said, complimentary football with one another. They are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's scary because they do have some good athletes, some good players. I thought going in that Bennyfield was in a conference that they could probably win two games for sure, Goldsboro and Spring Creek. Um, again, coaches and players don't like to look ahead, but sports writers, that's all we do. They should be able to beat those teams. And North Johnston is a game that I think Bainfield could win, leaving only Eastern Wayne and Princeton. But I have to tell you, after Friday night's game, I think that it's there for Bainfield. They can beat any of those teams in this conference. Can they stack them all up one after another and win the conference? We'll see. But I don't think any team should overlook Bettingfield on any Friday night this year, whether or not they're playing at Bettingfield, which apparently they're not going to do for another month, or on the road or, or at a neutral site. I think the Bruins are going to surprise some people, and I wouldn't surprise me if they end up in the playoffs this year. Well, you mentioned where Bettingfield is playing. That's another interesting note for this Bruins team because it is. They've spent these first five weeks on the road because the track is being repaired at Bettingfield. It's not going to be quite done yet. They're off this coming week. So that's that what was going to be their home opener at Bettingfield, which it still is. I mean, it'll be their first game as a home team playing in Wilson against Goldsboro. They're going to play that at Fike on September 30th. The really cool thing is going to be that North Johnston game, October 7th. They're going to play that at Truist Field at Barton or at Truist Stadium, excuse me, at Barton, which I think what from what Ben was telling me, might be the first high school game played there. So that, I think that's going to be a really cool moment and opportunity for these kids to get to play in a college stadium. Yes, it definitely is the first high school football game that they play there. Probably the first high school game in general. And very nice for Barton to allow Bainfield to, to use their facility for uh, for our homecoming game. Um, really cool. I think it's just great all around. It's, it's the kind of thing that makes uh, you know Wilson kind of neat without Barton here. And the high schools, they've always worked together. But, yeah, I mean, Bettingfield's, I mean, going to a 3A school like Croatan and winning um, a fairly convincing uh, win that they posted was very eye-opening. But, hey, there were a lot of eye-opening results last Friday night, weren't there? Yeah, we talked about uh, Mercury being in rec- or Mercury being in retrograde and how that kind of affected the high school. What fo- does that actually mean, Andrew? Uh, I've used that term, and I'm afraid I don't really understand it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a really big astrology guy, but I, I think what it just means is things things are out of whack. Things are strange. Thing, weird, weird things are happening. At least, planets are lined up in some weird way. But I will say this. A lot of times when I find out that Mercury is in retrograde, I start noticing all the things at my house that broke or didn't go right. <laughs> so there's some, some validity to that. Uh, Friday night, for sure, for, for the teams we picked anyway. Yeah, it was a uh, if you if you guys follow along with our football forecast in the Wilson Times, it was a rough week all around. I believe I had the high high mark to hold on to my lead at what no, six and six. No, Mitch was eight and four. That's right, Mitch was eight Don't and four. Take it away from Mitch Hayes. Mitch Hayes six and six, and that was pretty good. Most people were five and seven. It was in short a terrible week because usually these high school games aren't that hard to pick. A lot of big upsets. Clint lost to Haycock. Southern Nash lost to Nash Central for the first time since 2011. Um, who else lost Friday night? Uh, that was on our list. Of just about a Southwest Edgecombe loss. Wilson Prep losing to North Edgecombe. That was a pretty. That was not something I think that any of us had. That was definitely not something because Wilson Prep had played well. We still have yet to see them, although we're going to see them Friday night when they play their home opener. 
um, in the first year of the program for football, um, but they had looked great, and North Edgecombe had not won and had not really even come close to winning in its three games, and uh, it wasn't even close. Was it 33? No. 33 to 13. 13, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, that, like we said, this is a historic year for this Wilson Prep football program, their first football season ever over there at Wilson Prep under the guidance of head coach Philip Dickens, who has a lot of experience in the North Carolina football ranks, high school football ranks at different programs. And we've both been out there to see them practicing a couple times. They've got some big athletic kids out there, and we thought they had a chance to do well. And they won those first two games, and we thought they would win this game. And here's the big thing, because I spoke with Coach Dickens on Saturday morning. They thought they were going to win this game. And, you know, this is a young team. Little, you know, he he used the word immaturity. I think there was a little bit of a lack of focus, a little bit of, you know, look putting a win in the win column, looking past North Edgecombe to this week's big historic home opener, and it cost them. You know, talking again with Coach Dickens, he said that North Edgecombe had a really good game plan, kind of kept Wilson Prep off the field with the ball control offense, just running it right at him. So I think, in talking with him too, you know, this is a valuable lesson for this young Wilson prep team to learn, to learn about the focus on the task at hand that you need each and every week to win these games. Yes, I think that's true. And, you know, it's, you could say it's a first year program. Those kids have all played sports at some level. They know better than that. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a lesson that just always has to pop up in the world of sports. You know, I think that what they say about rivalries, you can throw out the records. And these schools have been together in this conference for just two, three years now, maybe four in the fourth one. Um, and I'm going to tell you, the North Edgecombe-Wilson Prep rivalry is as good as it gets around here right now because they have been butting heads for basketball superiority. Um, I know Wilson Prep had a great baseball team this past uh, spring and really laid a licking on North Edgecombe. And um, look, there's, there's some... There's some uh, bad blood boiling, so to speak, you know, between those schools. And, you know, as long as it stays good and clean, that's great. That's what high school rivalry should be about. There should be a school out there that, that, you know, one school is always wanting to be. And it's come about naturally because of what they're competing for on the field, not because they're told they have to be rivals or because they're next door to each other. So what happened Friday was Wilson Prep went over there expecting to win, and North Edgecombe said, aha, not, not tonight. And that's, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. So, yeah, maybe if they played 10 more times, Wilson Prep would win eight or nine. But guess what? They only play one in football. So uh, a great uh, a great start to another year of rivalry between Wilson Prep and North Edgecombe. But the Tigers are hosting Northwest Halifax this Friday night, and we're looking forward to uh, seeing what it's going to be like uh, on a football Friday at Wilson Prep on Tillman Road. Yeah, I think that's going to be really cool to see. I think, you know, they've gotten – you go to a basketball game over there, you go to a baseball game over there, they've gotten really good support from their, you know, their fan base. So I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere over there. I think everybody at Wilson Prep is really excited. I believe the phrase uh, Coach Dickens used to me was that uh, the head of school over there at Wilson Prep, Daryl Woodard, is like a kid in a candy store getting ready for that game, which if if anybody knows – uh, Mr. Woodard, I'm sure you can imagine that. So, yeah, I think everybody over there at Wilson Prep is really excited about this, and they should be. You know, this is a big night for them. You know, high school sports, Friday night lights, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but 
it, it really is just a great time getting to host a football game on your field. Yeah, and, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even know they were going to have a football team until, what, last February? It's earlier this year. Um, I think I might have heard whispers, and Mr. Woodard called me and told me, and, and from that point on to be where they are now, get ready to kick off on Friday night, is going to be pretty amazing. Um, I tell you, they've done a great job of branding themselves over there. Tiger, Tiger Pride! That's it. And, I mean, look, it's a thing. Wilson Prep is a thing for those kids to go to the basketball games and now they have football games. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So it'll be interesting to see what happens Friday night. Um, they have an opponent that uh, I think they can beat if they don't expect to beat them. And um, it should be a fun night for all concerned. And we'll have a special surprise for our readers. Um, we're going to have a, uh, a guest writer cover the game. I'll let you know more about that later. And looking, you know, just kind of wrapping up the high school football, you touched on Southern Nash a little bit with that upset loss to Nash Central. Um, I saw Southern Nash a couple weeks ago against Pike. They looked really good, kind of looked like typical Southern Nash running the ball all over the place behind the duo of Traylon Mitchell and Mitchell Jones, although Traylon Mitchell didn't play much in that game. They had a bunch of guys step up, as they often do. Pretty good defense. That run game has opened a nice, deep play-action passing game for them. Quarterback Brock Alford, I think the game I was at, he completed three passes, all three for deep touchdowns, two of which went to Landon Baker, who's kind of didn't play football last year. He's a baseball star for Southern Nash, but he's kind of emerged as that big tight end who can be a weapon down the field. Do you feel like this the loss to Nash Central is kind of just a blip for Southern Nash, that this should still be a pretty good team, that they're they're just going to need to bounce back and move on from that? Well, I mean, the loss is what it is, and so they can't do anything about it now. It's going to stay a loss the rest of the year. But the thing that's the really key on for Southern Nash is this loss ultimately has the potential to not hurt them because it's 2A uh, team, Nash Central, um, when it comes to the playoff chase, if, if Southern Nash wins the rest of its games, they will be the top 3A seed from the 2A, 3A Big East because that means that they will have beaten Franklinton, Northern Nash, and Rocky Mount, the other three 3A teams. And that's what you're really playing for. I mean, your conference championship's fine, but you're playing for that top seed in the home games in the playoffs. So, yes, um, it's, a, it's a mark on their record, but if they don't lose any more games, it won't hurt them. They'll still be the top seed from the conference for 3A. And you've got to be careful though in this conference, though, because Bunn is another 2A team that's really good. And, of course, Northern Nash that won it last year uh, in overtime over Southern Nash. That's what it came down to. And I have a feeling it's probably going to come down to Southern Nash and Northern Nash for that top 3A seed again. And if Northern Nash doesn't beat Southern Nash and Southern Nash wins the rest of the games, they'll get it. So, um, yeah, this game, it hurts a little bit, eye-opener, but ultimately it's almost like a non-conference loss um, when it comes to playoff season. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you have these 2A, 3A split conferences. Moving on to the college ranks, we've got Barton. They've played three games now. They had a big, impressive win in their conference opener over UVA Wise on the road this last week. Pretty impressive in all three phases of the game for Barton in that game. I think they had a safety. They had a, they had a safety and then a free kick return touchdown off that safety. Quarterback Jaquan Lynch had a really good game. You've seen some of Barton. You've obviously had your weekly chats with head coach Chip Hester. 
What are, what are kind of your takeaways from these first few games for this Bulldogs team? Well, it's funny because I did talk to Coach Hester, which my new chatting with Chip will be out. Um, and he we talked about one thing about this Barton team, and it goes back to last year, is these kids come in every game, and there's going to be at least one, maybe three or four big plays. They are an exciting team to watch, offensively, defensively, special teams. They've got kids who can score from anywhere on the field. And that's really what has made them, I think, be this dangerous team. Now, granted, they will grind you down and give the ball to Jordan Terrell 35 times a game, and he'll run right down your throat for 150 yards if you let him. Or they've got guys who can catch passes. They've got defense that can do things. But they've got kids who can make big plays. And when it's all said and done in football, Big plays count for a lot, especially when you have those kinds of players on, on your team on the field that can outrun everybody else on the other side. And I think Barton's got a few of those. They've got speed. They've got athleticism. Um, they're a lot of fun to watch. And this is their third year to get the season together, um, having played uh, the spring of 2021, the fall of 2021. A lot of these guys came in as one big class when the program first began. And so you, you sort of have a rare occasion of a lot of guys being all the same age and have played together, which is kind of rare in college, although after the pandemic, it's probably a little bit more so. But uh, this is completely related to Barton just starting up the program. So I think right now what we're seeing with Barton is, can they expand on last year? They're good enough to compete. They are, they are a proven middle-of-the-pack South Atlantic Conference team. Now, that, that, having said that, that means that, you know, they're a team with a winning record. They were 6-5 and five last year. But if you look at their Piedmont Conference, they're in it with Newberry, Wingate, Lenore, Ryan. Those are the three acknowledged top teams in the whole South Atlantic Conference, just in their division alone. So it's going to be tough for Barton to win in that conference. I mean, I, I don't know about the entire nation of Division II conferences, but I can tell you the South Atlantic is probably just as good as any. Uh, given what they've been able to do on the national stage and the teams that are in it. So it, it's going to be a big year for Barton um, because they're in a tough conference. They might not win six games this year. Um, but if they do, I think Barton can can really be uh, excited about what they've been able to put together in the first um, three real seasons of football and, uh, and look forward to more. But as far as this year goes, I think – if, you're, if you have nothing to do on Saturday, you should go down and watch Barton play football because they are a very exciting team to watch. Yeah, definitely. And you've got that home opener against Mars Hill here on Saturday at 3. All of Barton's home games, I think, this year are 3.30 kickoffs. No, no, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. And then they have one at 4 at Truist. I, can't, I think that's against Lenore Ryan. But, um, yeah, no, they're doing the 2 p.m., which is, uh, you know, that's a good time to watch a football game. You, you got plenty to do later in the day, still enough time. It's not too early. You don't have to get up at some terrible hour. And, um, you know, Barton, uh, what I'm going to try to check out this Saturday is pretty cool is the Bulldog Walk where um, the team starts at the bell tower and they walk as a team across campus and uh, fans kind of walk along with them. And it's a sort of one of those instant traditions that Coach Hester started. Um, it's not unique to Barton for sure. It goes on a lot of places, but you know, that's pretty much true of any football traditions. And um, I think it's going to be kind of neat. They've been on the road for three straight weeks. They're ready to be home to play at uh, Truist. Yeah, well, it's always a, a good, fun atmosphere there. So I think it'll be 
fun for them. Speaking of the college ranks, some other local college football, I will be in Chapel Hill Saturday to watch freshman phenom Drake May and the Tar Heels take on Notre Dame. Going to be an interesting game because Notre Dame is 1-2. and two. They've had a rough start. They barely beat Cal last week, so I think that's a game UNC can win. Tar Heels have kind of been an interesting team, too. They had that roller coaster win over App State up in Boone, where I think App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter, and UNC still won the game. It's been crazy start for App State, too. But UNC's kind of kind of looking like one of those classic throwback fun college football teams and they've got a really good quarterback pretty electric offense but not much on the defensive side of the ball to try to stop other teams so been interesting for them been interesting for nc state came into this season they're ranked 12th now i believe they were 13 in the preseason poll super high expectations for the wolf pack with devin leary back at quarterback so many guys back on defense they're 3-0 the defense has lived up to expectations. I was at the game against Texas Tech Saturday. I was at the first game against ECU. Defense has been phenomenal. Offense has been shaky for NC State, and it's going to have to be better if this team wants to get where it wants to go this season. Shaky? I thought you were going to say something else. Well, that's all really good. Let's talk about the real college football program that's turning heads and, and opening minds in North Carolina, Andrew, the Duke Blue Devils. That's right. That's right. The unbeatable Duke Blue Devils, apparently. Well, first year under head coach Mike Elko after the closing of the David Cutcliffe era. And yeah, Duke, they picked up a couple good. They beat Temple. They went on the road and beat Northwestern. They beat NCANT this past week. So all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a Duke team that's won three games that if they could somehow get out another three, you know, in this first year where there weren't many expectations, new head coach. Somehow, you know, getting to a bowl, I think, would be a big accomplishment. And I think the really fun thing to think about is this week, you've got a football game, a highly anticipated football game between undefeated Duke and Kansas. That's never happened before. It's If it's happened, it's it's rare. I challenge anyone who hears this to tell me if Duke and Kansas have ever played a meaningful football game that well, I think it was funny. I saw something on Twitter. I think it was from uh, Luke Takaka of the News and Observer because somebody had said, like, we've got undefeated Duke versus undefeated Kansas on Saturday. And he said something like, what does that mean? Kentucky, Michigan State is the late game. Or, so, yeah, That's these right. two traditional basketball powerhouses going at it uh, to remain undefeated on the gridiron. So that'll be fun. And we've got um, ECU hosting Navy this year. This is an ECU team that I think expects to have a pretty good season in that American conference. Lost kind of a heartbreaker, not a not kind of a heartbreaker, a very big heartbreaker with what would have been a big upset win at home against NC State that first week. ECU played well enough to win, should have won. They missed two kicks in the fourth quarter that cost them the game, but Again, this is an ECU team that has a lot of people back. You have Holt Naylor's back at quarterback for a sixth year. You've got that really good running back duo of Keaton Mitchell and Raji Harris. Fourth year under head coach Mike Houston, who I think is a really good coach. I've been really impressed with what he's been able to do over there in Greenville. And I think there's 
a lot of reasons to be excited for Pirates fans as this season goes along. Yeah, for sure. But I have to say, this is, like you said, this is the fourth year. I think people are really looking forward to seeing some results with Coach Houston there, with uh, Ellard's back. I mean, a lot of pressure, but you know, I don't think people are going to be happy with a 6-5 and five season or 6-6 six and six season. I think, you know, I think ETU fans want to see their team contend. They want to see them go to a bowl and win a bowl game, uh, at the very least this year. Well, and it's going to be an interesting, you know, moving into the future for ECU because with some of this conference realignment going on, some of the Big 12 teams like Texas and Oklahoma that are departing for bigger conferences means some of, I think some of the teams that have been traditional powers in the American schools like Houston, UCF are going to be moving up to the Big 12. So this is, you know, if ECU can really get establishing itself on the right track here with this program under Houston, then going into some of these future years they could emerge as one of the new powers in that American conference. So de- definitely a big time for the Pirates right now. Yeah, I think so. This is a big time for all of us, though, right? This is sort of a, this is an option year. And yeah. <laughs> for everyone, it seems like um, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're really feeling like maybe this is the first year where things are, quote, unquote, back to normal in terms of sports. Um, so uh, hopefully things will, you know, sort of pan out in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, that's true for, I think, everybody in sports this year. Yeah, definitely. And for us, that option year includes our brand new podcast. I think that's about it for us today. Really want to thank everybody for listening to our first episode. Like I said, you can expect to see these weekly. For now, definitely you can expect to see them on our sports section, wilsontimes.com. I'm in the process of working out, getting it so that it'll be on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Hopefully by, you know, within a week or two, wherever you get your podcast, you will be able to go and listen to the Nash and Pine Sports Chat. As I said, we'll be back every week talking about local sports. We were extremely, we were exclusive on the football this week. We might have some other stuff to talk about next week. We've got big hunt fike volleyball game tonight that will be played after we've recorded. I think Fike and CBA Cock are playing in soccer this week. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We're right in the wheelhouse of fall sports. So, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot more besides just football. So, if you have some suggestions, please don't hesitate to let us know how we're doing. Yeah, definitely. You can email us at sports at wilsontimes.com. You can read all of our stories. You know, if you want to see more sports content, definitely encourage you to subscribe. Go online, pick up a print paper, read our stories. You can find our contact information, of course, in our bylines of those. If you have any suggestions, And again, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you guys next week. See you next time.